When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Joe Burrow should go absolutely nowhere near a football field before the ink is dry on a new deal. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80 on your smart speakers. And, of course, the ESPN app. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Plenty of opportunities for you to be a part of the program today. Christopher Canty, good morning. Good morning, big fella. We're on the eve of the weekend. It's here, and I got to ask your opinion. So yesterday, I went out and played 27 holes of golf. Too much? Never. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I mean... I personally, I mean, it depends on how much alcohol was involved, but yes, I, I, I have no problem with you doing quite, that. Quite a bit, actually. Quite a bit. <laughs> of course, quite there a was. bit. Quite a bit. <laughs> Let us begin with our man, Joe Burrow. Here we go! Only one place to start. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow was carted off the practice field today after what appeared to be a non-contact injury. These things can range from days to multiple weeks. You have to wonder if we'll see Burrow again before his name gets signed. You know, Canty, there is no need for him to be anywhere near the field until that's the case. And listen, it's not, it, it, it's its so, what's the word I'm looking for? Somewhat relieving to find out that it's a calf, at least to the outside, as opposed to another injury. And they're calling it a strained calf, but he didn't go and blow out his knee or anything like that as he was rolling to his right on a play in practice and just pulled up lame. So let's just start with the injury itself because you've got plenty of experience with these things. As you're seeing that unfold, what are you thinking? And and share a little bit of the perspective on the injury itself and where the concern level would be. Well, I can tell you this. It's not typical that a player with a calf injury has to be carted off the field. Like, if the player can't help himself off the field under his own power, that's a problem. Mm. Uh, I mean, it lets you know that it's probably on the more severe end of the spectrum. Now, when it comes to calf strains, there's grade one, grade two, and grade three, which actually means it's torn. So we'll have to see what level of calf strain Joe Burrow is dealing with. I'm sure we'll get more information after he does an MRI study. Uh, and the team makes a formal announcement. But I'll tell you this, under my personal experience in 2009, when I was with the Giants, in my first season with Big Blue, I had a calf strain the second week of September. I was out until the second week of November. I missed seven games. Oh, my. So this is not to be taken lightly. I had to have surgery. They had to cauterize a leaky blood vessel. It was involved. And what I am simply saying is this. We, We don't have all of the information right now on how severe it is, but I can tell you this. You don't usually see the carts come onto the field to pick up guys for calf strains. That doesn't happen. It's atypical. So I'm curious to to find out what the medical staff finds and when they make the announcement. But to your earlier point about the contract, 
there's got to be a heightened sense of urgency from Joe Burrow and his camp about getting something done before we get into the regular season because you don't want your franchise quarterback that's in line to have the largest contract in NFL history jeopardize that by having a significant injury. And Canty, to follow that up, here is Burrow just a couple of days ago on why, in fact, he was in camp and practicing before he got a deal done. I've wasted enough days last two years with you know injuries and appendicitis and COVID the year before that. I don't want to get out of camp wishing that I had you know seven more days that I could have got better. That's the reason I'm here. I'm focused on getting a deal done. It's good for us, good for me, good for the team, good for everybody. Okay, but we need to really examine this a little bit deeper here and this mm. decision and why a player would do this at this point, especially of this stature. Chris, how much time did we devote last year talking about the fact that Deshaun Watson had gotten a fully guaranteed contract? Yes, it was out of desperation from the Cleveland Browns, but he had gotten one nonetheless, and then other players were going to start asking and presumably getting. They didn't. They didn't get them. And we've seen that with franchise quarterbacks this offseason who have not gotten fully guaranteed deals like we did earlier in the week, like we did with Jalen Hurts earlier this offseason. So the owners have won that aspect of this. But if you're the players, if you are any player in the league, in fact, and you are due for a contract extension, you're in that window, you can't go anywhere near the field before that gets done. And that's part of why I was so disappointed about the Saquon Barkley thing earlier this week, not because Saquon ended up basically getting the franchise tag, because that's going to happen, but because seemingly... He didn't even make them sweat. He didn't take himself out of harm's way for the long term if he's talking about getting a, thinking about getting a deal next year. All you are doing is working against yourself. That's it. They can try to make you feel guilty all they want, Canty. It doesn't matter. They have to protect themselves here as much as fans hate hearing about holdouts. Well, once the tag deadline came and went, July 17th, this was the best that Saquon Barkley could hope for, a one-year deal, right? And so the question you're asking is, well, why not show up on the eve of the regular season? Why be there at the start of training camp? And my counter to that would be, if the running back market is going to continue to be depressed, then Saquon Barkley has to resign himself to going year-to-year on contract because no team is going to give him the money that he's looking for on a multi-year pack. And I think that's where he's at as far as his thinking is concerned. So doing everything he needs to do in the preseason to make sure that he has a really good year and he, you know, creates the situation where the Giants want to use the franchise tag on him going into next year, which would be around 13 million bucks. That would give him a two year payout of 23 to 24 million dollars. But in the larger sense, players in general, I I just don't see why they would do this at this point. Well, I guess my point is this if you're a running back, your prime is the first five years of your career. Saquon Barkley's going into year six. Mm. This is a different conversation if we're talking about Saquon Barkley going into year four. If he was going into year four, I would tell him to hold out. Hold out and force the team to pay you. You got to remember when a player is on a rookie contract, even though he gets fined for missing days of training camp, the team can waive those fines. Now, if you're a guy like Zach Martin or if you're the Chiefs' Chris Jones and you've already had a second contract, the team is not eligible to waive those fines. But if you're operating under a rookie contract, 
then the team can waive those fines. I bring up that point because if you're a running back and you hold out after your third year, the team will presumably give you a top-of-the-market deal because they're getting prime years on your career in years four and year five. So the teams would pay for the prime years. I guess my point is this. If you're a player that's angling for a new deal and you're on a rookie contract and you've put together a three- or four-year sample size that that would command a top-of-the-market deal based on your position, then go ahead and hold out. It's a no-lose proposition for you. Either the team is going to pay you or they're going to trade you and, and thereby you're going to get paid by the other team. So it just it's a tough situation for running backs particularly, but in general when it comes to all of the positions in the NFL, mm. if you are a player of Saquon Barkley's ilk or, for instance, Jonathan Taylor with the Colts, after your third season – there would be no reason why you wouldn't hold out. If you're Joe Burrow right now, Canty, are you going anywhere near the field before a deal is done? No, I'm not, but they were already working on a contract extension for Joe Burrow, and they knew that they were going to have to make him the highest-paid player in NFL history. That's coming. That's coming. So that, that, that is inevitable. And when you're dealing with quarterbacks, it's a little bit different just because it's always a quarterback star of league. The scarcity of it all is going to demand that Joe Burrow gets a top-of-the-market deal. So if you're Joe Burrow, like you're, you don't want to go on the field and jeopardize a potential you know, season-ending injury that could call into question whether or not you can produce at that same level moving forward. That's why there's urgency to get that deal done. But by and large, quarterbacks always get paid just because there aren't enough quality ones to go around. It, it's Kenton Carlin on ESPN Radio. In for Greeny today, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Back to the injury itself for Burrow. Here's Stefania Bell, ESPN injury analyst, yesterday on our show in the afternoon on this injury and what it all means. You really need to get specifics on the degree of injury when you start talking timetables. And that's something we just can't tell from a distance. But, you know, he definitely felt a pretty good pull there. Um, But these things can range from days, five to seven days for a mild injury to multiple weeks if it's something more severe. Look, if it's any sort of significant time, and what's significant at this point? Is it three weeks of the regular season, four weeks of the regular season? Would you call that significant? Oh, no doubt. Yes. If, that, if that's the case, it completely changes the dynamic in the AFC for me. Completely. Well, well here's, here's what I'll say. I, I mean, even if Joe Burrow is back on the field during the preseason practicing with his team, this is going to be an injury that lingers into the regular season. Mm. He, he's, he's not going to be 100% on that calf for the rest of the year. That's just, that's just the reality of the type of injury you're talking about. You're going to have to manage it. You're going to have to limit some of the reps on the field just because you're talking about something that's going to be ever-present. Think about it. With his footwork, with his dropbacks, just, well, you know, scrambling around, all of those different things, it's going to affect him. And so you worry about that early on. And, big fella, have you looked at their schedule? Yeah. On the road against Cleveland, at home against Baltimore to start the season. There is no margin for error for the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC North. You can make a case that three of those four teams can win the division, and the only team that you probably wouldn't say can win the division is Pittsburgh, and Mike Tomlin ain't never been under 500. That's how good that division is. It might be the best in all of football. So you're talking about this injury, this calf potentially complicating you know, what the Cincinnati Bengals outlook or projection for the 2023 season is. If Joe Burrow can't go out there and do all of the things, 
then all of a sudden we're probably talking about a new favorite to win that division. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. We are just getting started right this afternoon or right the, this morning at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. There is big doings in the NFL, including the New York Jets. There has not only been coaches taking shots at them, but there is a big-time running back visiting this weekend. Dalvin Cook gave some hints as to his future. Could he be a Jet by the end of the show, comments from this morning that we will fill you in on in moments. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. If he gets asked a question, he's going to answer it bluntly. And I think that's what he was doing while also sending a message to everybody within his organization. For a guy like Sean Payton, it was a small move by him. More drama added to it. It's amazing. Getting more and more attention. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Sean Payton adding to that, and as you just heard Robert Sala yesterday responding to Sean Payton's comments, didn't have a whole lot to say, but made a philosophical point. Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is you know he's been in the league a while; he can say whatever the hell he wants. But as far as you know, what we have going on here, I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. So for more on that, we welcome in Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. And Mike, let's just start here. Is it in fact true that if you ain't got no haters, uh, you ain't popping? Boy, my gosh, I thought you guys were my friends. But gosh, you know, like no one's hating on us right now, right? So I guess they ain't popping. <laughs> it feels that way. I mean, I wish I would get more haters if that's the case. But, <laughs> but Mike, just what did you make of Sean Payton's comments? 
it, he broke the code. You know, playing simple guys, it, it's completely unacceptable. If you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, you could say he was trying to protect his very apparently sensitive franchise quarterback and take the pressure off of Russell Wilson, but he went way too far, and there's a time and a place to call people out. And if I'm George Payton, the current GM of the Broncos, I'm saying, hey, the next time you call up my performance publicly, you know, when you make a mistake from a clock management standpoint, do you want me to do the same? I've had a lot of really hard conversations in my career with coaches. It's called family business, and you get things worked out behind closed doors, and then you move forward. And I thought it was shocking uh, what he said and so much of it on the record. Well, well, Mike, just to push back on that, with everybody publicly questioning whether or not Russell Wilson has still got it, don't you think the head coach is within his rights to try to defend his quarterback and build him up from a confidence standpoint by any means necessary? You know, Chris, you can do that without calling out Nathaniel Hackett, George Payton, amongst others. You could talk how, about how? the great, great how you can talk about yeah. the greatness of Russell Wilson, what he's done in his career, what we're going to do in 2023, how anything that happened in the past is irrelevant, and we're moving forward with a fresh start. But candidly, like when I heard those comments, what I thought immediately came to my mind, Chris, was he's thinking like Russell Wilson has no confidence, and I got to build them up. And it seemed like he was taking a play from Bill Parcells' playbook. Well, I guess I guess my question to you again would be, Mike. How do you explain away what happened last year when Russell Wilson had a career-worst season? And when I say career-worst, career-worst QBR, career-worst completion percentage, career-worst touchdown-to-interception ratio, career-high in sacks. How do you explain that away without talking about what happened last year and the lack of institutional control from Nathaniel Hackett? Yeah, I think it's a common – like most things in life, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, which is – he was coached poorly, and he played poorly. To be candid as an evaluator, Chris, to me, he looked like a skilled diminished athlete. He looked slow. He looked not quick. He looked decisive. Oh, I agree. And, I know, agree wholeheartedly with you. Completely agree on Russell Wilson. Yeah, So, and I don't think Nathaniel Hackett did a good job. But, again, I don't think, you know, there's a code. There's ways to, you know, you just don't call out other coaches. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a couple of years ago at this point, but earlier in Sean Payne's career, he had play-calling responsibilities stripped of him in New York, and I don't think he would have appreciated somebody calling him out publicly to say you're one of the worst young offensive coaches in the game. So my point is, like, look, Nathaniel Hackett wasn't great. I'd be the last one to defend him, but that, it's not Sean Payton's place to call him out. It's, it's about coaching this team this year moving forward. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Joining us, it's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Mike can that work? If we're trying to build back up Russell Wilson's confidence, can that kind of a tactic work? Uh, we're going to find out. I mean, the more fundamental question is, like, are you kidding me, Russell? Like, you're, you're a franchise quarterback. You've won a Super Bowl. You've gotten paid. Like, other people had bad years. You know, shake your jersey off and get better. Like, the fact that, you know, Sean had to do this to me is pretty alarming about the guy's, like, self-confidence. Mike, the flip side of this conversation is the impact that these comments have on the Jets. And I was talking with Carlin in our production meeting before the show, and I said, if you're Rob Sala, this is manna from heaven because now you have something tangible to hold on to when it comes to motivating your players during the dog days of training camp. Like, guys, I know we have high expectations, but this is what the world thinks of you. And when I say the world, I'm not just talking about the media and the fans. This is what other NFL teams, other NFL coaches think of you and what's going to happen with us this season. Am I reading that the right way? Is this something that 
Rob Sala can use to help motivate his team throughout the preseason? You know, I guess so. But, you know, similar to what we just talked about, Chris, like, do you really need that? Like, don't you want to be great to be great? And I don't know, like, to me, do you need Sean Payton to give your pregame speech? You know, maybe you do, but the Jets have a chance to chase greatness regardless of what Sean Payton thinks of them. Mike Tannenbaum with us. Mike, let's go to Joe Burrow here. Actually, no, you know what? Back up a second. We stay on the Jets for a second with Dalvin Cook. Uh, it seems like this is getting closer and closer uh, for the moment. How would this affect the Jets in your estimation, uh, not just in the AFC East, but in the AFC overall? Puts them right there. And it reminds me of we had Favre, and you just keep trying to add pieces when you can. And certainly what Tom Brady did with Rob Gronkowski, it's called an aura of association. And go go for it. Like, you're right there. The guy just took a $35 million pay cut. Like, I try to get every good player I could. Like, I get it, and it could be a really exciting year for them. So, you know, why stop at Aaron Rodgers and Lazard, you know, keep going? Talking with ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on Greeny. And, Mike, with the Joe Burrow calf injury, how does this development impact the contract negotiations between him and the club? So we talked about this on GetUp. This is easy for me. I just tell Joe, like, you're way too important to us, the franchise, the city of Cincinnati, and we're going to get your calf right, we're going to get your contract right, and you're not going back out there without a new deal. And presumably, Chris, like, they had to be close now that Herbert was done, so hopefully they're just crossing T's and dotting I's. Yeah, if you're – from that standpoint, you're almost taking the public pressure off Joe, right? If you're the team, you're helping him out by saying, not only are you not going out there, but we're not letting you go out there. That's exactly right, and, and that's the first thing I'm doing as a leader of the franchise, saying, like, like, look, you're, you, you're everything to us, and we're going to get this deal done. And, again, it should be imminent, you know, just based on, look, you go back, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, like, you know, this offseason we've seen a lot of quarterback get deals, and they just slot one on top of the next. And as big of a deal as this is, it really shouldn't be that hard to get done. Mike, looking at what's happening with the Miami Dolphins, who are in the AFC East as well, how significant is the Jalen Ramsey injury, knowing that the Dolphins are likely looking at not having him for the early part of the season? Um, you know, I don't think it's not helpful, obviously. You know, they didn't have a first-round pick, but I do like Cam Smith, their second-round pick, uh, corner from South Carolina. And let's face it, like, Jalen Ramsey was a little up and down last year, so he, he has the ability to be a great player, but wasn't one a year ago. Um, obviously, they're better with him than without him. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I, I think it's you know sort of like the next man up, and you know I, it's it's an injury they should be able to survive. Mike, to us, you are always popping. Have haters or not, <laughs> you are always popping. <laughs> Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks. Oh, uh, you're the best guy. Appreciate it, <laughs> Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Canty, we have talked at length about Dalvin Cook over the last 24 hours. He spoke this morning. He was on Good Morning Football on NFL Network and was asked the chances that he signs with the New York Jets uh, considering he is planning to spend the weekend there. I think they're pretty high, man. I think I think we're in a position of, of you know, a team that's building something special, and I want to be a part of something mm-hmm. special, you know, as a player. And I want to add to just whatever they got going on. So I think the, the possibility is high right now, you know, of, of getting things done. Listen, I'll be surprised if Dalvin Cook is not a Jet at the latest by the end of the weekend, but most especially by the end of the day. And for the Jets, as we have talked about, it completely changes the dynamic and I mean, I hate to put it this way, but if Burrow's missing a few games, 
Even more so are they right there in that conversation with Kansas City. Yeah, you take advantage of the misfortune of others, right? And if you're looking at it from the Jets' standpoint, Dalvin Cook fits a need. Brees Hall is going to be you know, working his way back from injury early on in the regular season, so Cook can step in and be your lead back. And if you look at the Jets' run game production last year, it was non-existent. You're talking about a team that was 24th in yards per carry and 29th in yards after contact. Dalvin Cook is going to provide some juice for them in terms of a running back that can make a miss and take advantage of the space that the offensive line creates for him. Last year, Dalvin Cook was in the top 10 when it came to runs of 10 yards or more. Dalvin Cook is coming off his fourth straight 1,000-yard-plus rushing season. You need a guy like that in order to play the kind of ball that Rob Sala wants, which is a defensive forward approach, let your defense dominate the game for you, and your offense control time of possession and take advantage of extra possessions and field position created by said defense. So it just makes all the sense in the world, especially given Aaron Rodgers giving back $35 million over the next two years to the franchise. He's given them room to make moves, and these are the types of moves that Joe Douglas needs to go ahead and, 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 and sign off on and get it done so Dalvin Cook can be a part of this team. I think you just made an amazing point that we haven't touched enough on. That's what Dalvin Cook does for the defense of the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. The idea that Brees Hall is going to come back from his injury and be 100% and going to give you 200-some carries, 240 carries, something like that, I think is just fool's, a fool's errand to think that. Now, you're going to add Dalvin Cook, who has had all of this success in his career, and it's not just about the weapons, Canty. It's about giving your defense a chance when they have to deal with high-powered offenses and letting them be at their best when it comes to time of possession. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Last year, the Jets were 29th in time of possession. Think about that. They had a top-five defense, and their offense was 29th in time of possession. You know how hard that is to do as a defense? (laughs) I mean, do you have any idea how hard that is? Like it's 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 essentially the the team the offense having three downs and then punting the ball and you're going back on the field and that's over and over and over again. Not to mention the turnovers that we saw from Zach Wilson being loose with the football. So I just I, it, their defense is a championship caliber unit. Now they're going to get a competent quarterback play and they're going to get a, a solid offense that can score points and help the defense dictate the terms of engagement and the overall complexion of the game. That's why I'm bullish on the Jets. Again, I think they have the fewest questions of any team in the AFC East going into 2023. If they add Dalvin Cook, not only does that put more distance between them and the other teams in their division, but that puts them just one step closer to where the Kansas City Chiefs are at. Now, we see this in free agency all the time. So I need your perspective on this in particular, because when we talk about not letting a player out of the building, we are quite literally saying that. Not letting the player get out of the building if you are trying to sign him. Dalvin Cook was scheduled to meet with the Patriots as well. There has obviously been plenty of talk around the Miami Dolphins. So having gone through this yourself as a free agent and being in the building, this feels to me, it's like when you're trying to buy a car and you're trying to cut a deal and you're just kind of sitting around and all that and they won't let you leave if you're ready to step up and leave. <laughs> is that what this whole process is like for the Jets the next day or two? That's exactly 
what it's like. Like the Jets are going to do whatever they have to do to keep Dalvin Cook from leaving the building. And and quite frankly, I think they're in a position to make him an offer that he can't refuse. When you look at the other teams, the other suitors that Dalvin Cook has had, nobody has really pulled the trigger on a deal. And I don't think the money that he's looking for is out there. So if you can't give him the money, the next best thing is to sell winning to him. I don't think any of the teams that were that were courting him are as close to competing for a championship as the New York Jets are. I don't think the Patriots are there. doesn't feel like the Dolphins are there just yet, especially with the questions around the quarterback Tua. So it feels like the Jets would be the landing spot if Dalvin Cook is not going to get the kind of multi-year contract that he's looking for. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Exactly. <laughs> Big fella, I'm just sitting here looking at this. Yeah. The Jets' offense – was absolutely anemic last year. Oh, it was so bad. I mean, you've made the one only... point all year about the points, but that doesn't even tell half the story. No, it doesn't. I'm sitting here looking at this. There were only three teams that had a worse three-and-out percentage than the Jets. Those three offenses, the Denver Broncos, the Carolina Panthers, and the Tennessee Titans. Oh, my God. That's it. Tennessee didn't have Ryan Tannehill all year. Oh. The Carolina Panthers were cycling through Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and P.J. Walker. And Russell Wilson was absolutely atrocious with Nathaniel Hackett. The Jets were three and out on over 25% of their drives. Oh, my God. Think about that. We're going three and out on over 25% of our drives. Oh, that is ridiculous. That is hard to do. It is hard to that be that bad. That is very hard to do. Oh, That is very hard to do. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. As usual, Shohei Otani was in the zone last night, pitching a one-hit shutout and hitting two home runs. In the Zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Was that the greatest single-day performance in the history of the sport? We get into that in just moments. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Greeny, the podcast. Shohei Otani has done it today in Detroit. His first major league shutout. Fly ball, it's hit well out into left center, and that one is out of here. Boy, oh boy, this Thursday afternoon in Detroit has been showtime. Another ball high and deep, and that one is in right center, and that one is gone. Otani with a two-homer game right now. He has 38 for the season. Calls on Angels Radio AM 830. Canty, the only thing I was surprised by is that was it was his first career shutout. 
That's it. <laughs> Everything else I am not surprised by anymore. As Otani throws a shutout in the first game of a doubleheader and then goes out and hits two home runs in the second game of the doubleheader, including just the first one about an hour and ten minutes after ending the shutout. He hits a bomb. I mean, it's 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 just getting to the ridiculous point with this guy. The Angels are now only three back in the wild card in the American League. So, so far, they're getting rewarded with the decision to not trade him away before Tuesday's deadline. I got to tell you this, though. I said it toward the beginning of the season. I'm sticking by it. $600 million is going to be the number. That's a lot of money. I would say it's probably going to be somewhere between five hundred and six hundred million. But big fella, we, we've quite frankly never seen anything like this, right? We haven't. You're talking about a guy that pitches a complete game, one hit ball, walk three batters, a hundred and eleven pitches, incredibly economical. This is a guy that leads the majors in home runs, and oh by the way, on the mound, he's fourth in strikeouts, and he leads all pitchers. An opponent batting average. Do you know what opposing offenses are batting against Shohei Otani? Let me, let, me ju- let me take a stab at it. Go ahead. Okay? I'm going to say that opposing offenses right now are hitting 195 against him. No, it's lower. It's 185. Jeez. They're batting 185 <laughs> against Shohei Otani. That's how filthy this guy is with the fastball, with the splitter. I mean, he's got a slider that's nasty too. Like, th- this guy is just incredible in the consistency. Year over year. Remember when he first came over, he had trouble staying healthy. But the Angels athletic training staff has done a great job of being able to work with him on that. His strength and conditioning has improved. And now you're starting to find a player that that really is a Cy Young award-winning pitcher and an MVP caliber hitter all wrapped up into one. And he's incredibly durable. So, I mean, yeah, this is a special, special talent. And I love the message that the Angels sent to him by trading for Lucas Giolito, who was one of the best arms that was available at the trade deadline. They told Shailiatani that we're going for it. We're going to try to make a push to get into the playoffs because we know how important winning is to you. Just remember what he said earlier before the season started after the World Baseball Classic when he was with Japan. He wanted to win. He wants to win championships. Well, in order to do that, you got to get into the postseason. And I think this is the Angels saying, we're going to commit all of our resources to do everything that's possible in order to put you in that position. So I love the message the team sent to him. And yesterday in the doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers, who you know aren't world beaters, 11 games under 500, Shohei Otani sent the message back to the organization and saying, I'm with you. Let's do it. Well, with that idea in mind, here's Alda Gonzalez, ESPN MLB reporter with Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night on the chances that Otani would re-sign in Anaheim. I know there are a lot of people from the outside that completely discount the Angels' chances of bringing him back, and I understand why. I mean, this is a franchise that, even though they've had two generational players in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, haven't done any meaningful winning in a really long time. So it's easy to see why you'd be skeptical, but the Angels feel like they have a chance. They feel like they have a chance because of his familiarity with the organization, because they helped him. They helped groom him into becoming a successful two-way player, because they give him so much autonomy. He basically does whatever he wants. He runs his own program, and just a comfort. Listen, there's a lot to be said for that, right? I mean... It kind of sounds like what what we've been talking about with Aaron Rodgers this week, that the Jets let him do what he wants to do, and the Packers weren't going to do that. And maybe that is something that Otani will be very comfortable with. 
Yeah, but I think you have to kind of let him do what he wants to do if he's giving you the production that we've seen the last two years. I mean, the guy won an MVP in 2021. I mean, this is a special, special player. So I think this is a situation now where you're doing everything as an organization that you possibly can to try to win because you know that that's ultimately going to be what matters to him the most. Courting him, I I think from a money standpoint, we all have an idea of what it's going to be, right? Mm. I I don't think Artie Moreno is going into this thing with any illusions that he's going to get a hometown discount. But it has to be something beyond the money. If we're talking about paying a guy between $500 and $600 million, I'm sure there will be several teams that are offering that, including two teams on the West Coast in the San Francisco Giants and the Seattle Mariners. But what can be the distinguishing factor if you're the Angels. Well, this is a place that you know well, you're comfortable, and now we can sell you winning because we got into the playoffs. After sweeping the doubleheader against the Tigers, they're only three games out of the last wild card, and we still got two months of baseball left to go. So it's by no means an insurmountable deficit if you're the Angels. I, that's which is why I, I love the fact that that they went out and made the move that they made before the trade deadline and bringing in another arm. Mm. This team has got a good enough offense to get into the postseason. They're seventh in run scored this year, but their staff ERA is 20th. So they needed to improve with their pitching rotation, and adding Lucas Giolito is going to go a long ways to doing that. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. The thing that always strikes me whenever we're talking about him, we get caught up in sports cliches all the time. People do when they're describing players. There are literal moments where it's just not that, and this is one of them, where we actually say we have never seen this before, and we actually mean it. It is 100% true. Just to paint the picture, Otani was the first player to ever throw a shutout in the doubleheader game one and then homer in the other game. It is literally never, ever, ever happened in the history of the game in 150 some other some odd years. And he's only the second player ever to throw a shutout in game one and then start as a non-pitcher in the other game, and that was Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and Canty, you know, I got caught up in a little bit of a rabbit hole the other day because I, I'm just so locked in and fascinated by the Otani thing. Yeah. that I wanted to go back and, and look at the Babe Ruth numbers. Like, there's no comparison as to what went on here. I mean, Otani is doing both at the same time. Ruth did not have this level of domination at the same time. Yes, he was a very good pitcher. Yes, he had some power. But he was performing at nowhere near the same level at the same time as this guy is. No. I mean, this is... This is a special, special talent. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, we're running out of uh, adjectives and superlatives for Shohei Otani. This guy is special. But if the Angels have any fancies of trying to keep him, they're going to have to try to get into the postseason. And that's a place that this franchise hasn't been since 2014. So they, 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 they've got a good plan. They're going to get Mike Trout back in, the, back in a few weeks. They've got to make a push to get into the postseason. Otherwise, I think it's a long shot for them to keep Shohei Otani, who is one of the biggest draws in all of baseball. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio, or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on get up weekday mornings at eight on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.